0: Quick Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. Over the past few weeks, we've had eight developed market central banks hold their monetary policy meetings with inflationary pressures easing across the world. Some central banks have chosen to keep their policy rates on hold. Meanwhile, others are more concerned about lingering upside risks to inflation and instead decided to hike interest rates further in September. Yet in aggregate, it's clear that we're nearing the end of the global monetary tightening cycle. But what happens next and how should investors position themselves in this environment? To help answer these questions, this week I spoke to my colleague Rob Robis, who heads up BCA Research's Global Fixed Income Strategy Service. Hi Rob, thanks for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Rokai.
0: So it's been quite a busy few weeks in the global central banking space. We've Mm -hmm. had a number of central bank meetings so far this month. Uh, But let's start off with your takeaways on the outcome of the big three. Mm So based on the commentary, the consensus seems to be that the European Central Bank delivered a dovish hike, the U.S. Fed delivered a hawkish pause, mm-hmm. and the Bank of England's communication was on the dovish side, um, though it paused. So do you agree with this assessment?
1: Yeah, in all three cases, I would agree with that. And you know, for the simple reason, uh, if you look at what's actually happening in Europe and in the UK in terms of their economic momentum, it's slowing a lot. So. The ECB and Bank of England had to be leading dovishly, even though the ECB actually hiked rates, Bank of England didn't. The Bank of England, it was a 5-4 vote to not hike, so it was really, really close. They could have hiked as well, but not promising to do anything beyond this meeting, kind of keeping all the options open. They have to because their economy is are in very rough shape. Uh, the US economy is looking better, perhaps even re-accelerating a little bit, so it gives the Fed the backdrop to, to talk a little more hawkishly, even though they paused. I think that was you know, the expectation just to maybe take a little breather in the sense of letting the, the past rate hikes kind of digest and not be locked into having to do more uh, hikes going forward because the Fed has been signaling they think they're close to potential peaking rates. The debate now sees more of does the Fed agree with some of the rate cuts being priced in what were priced into the interest rate uh, futures curves next year. And uh, perhaps one big takeaway is just the fact that the Fed not only added one potential hike to its f- interest rate forecast as they updated the forecast from. June of September, but they pumped up their expected Fed funds rate the next two years by 50 basis points, so taking out some of their own forecasts for cuts. So that was a pretty hawkish message. And the fact that the bond market listened, seeing how much Treasury yields uh, backed up yesterday and even into today, uh, does tell you, I think, that the, the market may be finally listening to the Fed and is not willing to price in per, that, the, the persistent pricing of, of Fed rate cuts next year that's become a feature of the U.S. bond markets this year.
0: And on that point, do you think that government bond yields are now near a peak, or do you think that there's still scope for them to rise significantly further from here?
1: Yeah, I think we're in kind of a broad topping phase, is the way I would describe it. Just looking at uh, where interest rates are, in terms of where the ECB rate is, the funds rate, each of the policy rates of these central banks, they're at levels that look to be restrictive. If you sort of a, evaluated what's an appropriate level of rates based on sort of where kind of medium-term growth trends are and... They're way above that. Now, they have to be way above that because economies are pretty strong and inflation is too high. But at some point, it's going to eventually bite deeper into growth, and especially for an environment where, as every central bank has communicated, even Bank of England and ECB, as they did this dovish, the dovish language, they weren't saying rate cuts are imminent. They kind of pushed even against some of that. Bank of England Governor Bailey, today in an interview, kind of pushed against the idea that rate cuts are coming quickly. They don't want to lean against that, and the Fed says higher for longer. I think that means as inflation comes down next year Inflation continuing to, to come down in a lot of these countries, uh, as they keep rates steady, it means real rates are going to be even higher. They're gonna a lot more tightening by just not cutting as quickly as inflation is coming down. If that's what they're going to do, that's going to put even more downward pressure on growth and inflation. These bond yield levels will be more attractive. We're in this broad topping phase right now, so now we're debating is the final hike of the cycle or not, and that can create a little upward pressure on yields, as we've seen over the last certainly 48 hours, even sort of the last week or so. But I think in terms of where we expect yields to be next year, I don't see them being much higher from these levels, more likely being flat to lower from these levels.
0: And in addition to the big three central banks that we've just discussed, many other major DM central banks have also already met. So it includes the RBA, the BOC, the Swiss National Bank, which have all kept interest rates on hold, as well as the Riksbank Bank and the Norges Bank, which both deliver 25 basis point rate increases. And we're also due to hear from the BOJ on Friday. So going forward, which of the major central banks do you believe are the most likely to pivot to cutting interest rates first? And which do you believe are most at risk of delivering a hawkish surprise?
1: Out of that list, when I look at, and, you know, so say body language has seemed to have tilted a little more hawkish towards and more dovish. I think Bank of Australia kind of stands out there. The economy there is weak. Inflation is finally coming down at a pretty steady pace. Uh, they've been one of the central banks that's been even reluctant to push rates even towards the level of inflation. They still have negative real rates, policy rates below inflation. I think it's telling you that they are concerned about growth momentum, soft Chinese economy is, hurts Australia has very leveraged Chinese growth, and also the housing market there, which is very weak and very sensitive to interest rate increases. So I would that second tier uh, center banks that you mentioned, that be, might be the first one to cut. I think Bank of Canada was might be in that camp, that, but for them to move ahead of the Fed would be a rare occurrence. Typically, they kind of follow whatever the Fed does. So I would expect the Fed's going to be a hole for a while and think it Canada will too. But their latest inflation numbers took higher. So i am probably make Canada be one of the laggards on that front. And Japan, I mean, that's, a, that's a big one there. They meet tonight. Uh, nothing's expected. But the last meeting, they made a big shift in terms of raising the yield curve cap on 10-year bond yields. And buys a steady amount of 10-year bonds to prevent yields from rising uh, to a level beyond what they want to control. They raised that cap from 50 basis points to one full percentage point. and we've seen. Japanese bond yields go from around 50 basis points to around 0.73, 0.75% right now. So they're allowing that to happen. That's kind of the first step in terms of moving towards a rate hike. Bank of Japan governor last week hinted at a potential rate hike by the end of the year. I think maybe he's trying to defend the weekend more than trying to necessarily raise rates, but inflation is quite high in uh, in Japan right now. So perhaps they are setting up for, you know, well, the rest of the world is, is zigging towards the end of a rate hike cycle. The Bank of Japan is zagging towards the uh, start of a cycle. So I think tonight, I wouldn't expect any big changes because they made such a big change at the last meeting and especially with other center banks hiked some did not some should be og wants to be seen as a standout and being more hawkish than anyone else right now i do think this the, the situation is setting up for the bank of japan to do at end of their yield curve control maybe an initial rate hike sometime in the kind of first quarter first half of next year that'd be my expectation but they're incrementally moving towards that and that makes japanese bonds the best underweight short candidate in the g10 universe right now because the Bank of Japan is letting all their control go from the bond market, and that's going to push yields even higher.
0: Rob, thanks for joining me today, and enjoy the rest of your day.
1: You too. Thanks for having me. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes Podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.